<clears throat> you are listening to the Punk Theology Podcast, Season 1. This is Episode 26, talking about the truth. Uh, yeah, what's the truth? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Gee, ain't I a stinker? Okay, Smokey, roll them. Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's gonna do it? You! But I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, truth is an observed constant existing outside oneself. Good definition or bad? What do you think? It's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't wow me. I think the trouble with this is that, like, literally there were centuries of philosophy written on this topic. Like the entire oh, yeah. German idealism movement, like from Kant all the way through Sartre. Like, well, that's, Sartre wasn't German, but he was feeding off of the, like, like there's like 150 years of like what the hell is truth? Because yeah. isn't truth even saying there is no truth? Wouldn't that be truth? You get into a lot of trouble when you confuse subjective truth as objective truth, and that's where the church really gets itself in trouble. It's saying this is objective truth. This is the same. This is the same objective truth. You know, as gravity. <laughs> like it's <laughs> no. really not. It's like, really it, not. But. The hard science side is they can be tempted to say only objective truth is valuable. Oh, yeah, we're taking on quite the topic today. Only five of us in this episode, though we're missing Chuck. I know, right? Sorry, I sounded a little British there for some reason. And, oh, by the way, I would be your host, Russ Shaw. Hey, punktheology.com, by the way, is the website for this here podcast. We'd love for you to stop by, check us out. Would you like to be a Patreon sinner saint, right, instead of a patron saint see what we did there a patreon sinner saint um financially supports the podcast helps uh pay the bills on keeping this podcast afloat uh, out there on the internet super highway if you believe in the message of punk theology we would love to uh hear from you as well we'd love to have you donate to the show uh pitching some gas money out here in the van out here in the information super highway as you join us in this little adventure uh, the YouTube page we're going to be uh, sharing who are the Patreon Sinner Saints in the studio. So that'll be fun. Oh, and subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't yet, just scratch that itch for us right there. And if you want to dig a little deeper and itch a little harder, 
Could you subscribe to our YouTube page, which is the Punk Theology Podcast? You can search for it that way, or Punk Theology TV, but that's there's nothing there yet. So it's a work in progress. The Punk Theology Podcast YouTube page is, is that's what it's called. Subscribe. Yes. One man's meat is another man's poison, I always say. Had to throw in some Bugs Bunny clips there. And, of course, Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise from A Few Good Men. You can't handle the truth. Abuse of power. What's that about? We've been getting some good feedback on the podcast. And if it's helping, all right, if it's helping identify some bad authority in your life, a loved one's life, someone you care about, a co-worker... Oh yeah, Punk Theology's talking about it. Tell a friend. We are not afraid to talk about the truth. <laughs> I know, that's funny. It's funny to me. Um, but seriously, we do not shy away from talking about some destructive voices from the past, from the present, right? The three ghosts of Halloween. I, I don't know. We're, we're, we're hoping to identify where bad authority or bad leadership has become a specter and maybe it could be more of a ghost, and we could ghost bust that. <laughs> I don't know. He slimed me. That's great! Actual physical contact! Oh yeah, words getting out about punk theology, and it's making contact. And waves. We'll talk about it a little bit today. We're, we're looking to help. We're looking to spread this message. So joining us in that, man, we would it would fill our little punk rock hearts with joy and adoration more than you know, okay? Hearing that this has been a benefit or a light in your life is amazing, and you can join us. And listen, one of the easiest fundamental non-financial ways... Uh, if you could leave a review of this podcast, iTunes, again, Stitcher Radio, uh, tune in anywhere you hear popular podcasts, you should be able to find us. Except for Spotify and iHeartRadio. I guess we're too independent for those guys. So, But we appreciate that you're listening. And also, you can join us on social media if you'd like to connect with us that way. On Facebook, it's called Punk Theology Pub. P-U-B, you can search that group on Facebook. You can join the group, join the conversations, throw uh, some topic ideas at us. We would love that. Uh, Twitter, we are at Punk Theology Pod on Twitter. Snapchat, you can search for us, Punk Theology on Snapchat, and we'd love to hear from you guys there. Gonna kick this off. I'll shut my yap. We'll get right into it after this bumper from bad religion also the punk theology spotify playlist if you'd like to search that out subscribe to that follow some of the bands you like it uh, spotify will actually notify you when they come to your town you can see the shows which is awesome um the punk theology playlist is more the music bumper music we play on the show we'd love for you to connect with some of the bands that you hear on this podcast bumper promos we're using the bumper promo rule from talk radio and uh, speech media as it's called in the uh, legal uh, keeping our nose clean with the recording industry as well here we go truth there's a purpose there's a goal there's virtuous and immoral there's a reason for all 
truth. Truth and oranges. That's the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the title of this week's podcast. Uh, I don't know. We're just throwing it out That's there. That's an inside joke that nobody will ever get. We could explain it, but yeah. it would probably be boring and yeah. not that funny. You'll be glad we didn't. Yeah. You'll be glad we didn't. <laughs> so the truth. The truth. We're talking about a little bit of the truth. Are we talking about the truth? We might as well. I don't know. I, this yeah. whole topic makes me queasy. But Does it? Well, it's one of those things. We're in a post-truth era. Well, that'd be good, though. Yeah. I'm yeah. Throw up all over the place. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> um, I lost my job this week. It, it kind of I'll throw that out there. Uh, my car broke. You're self-employed. <laughs> self-employed. Yeah, technically, I didn't get fired or anything like that. You can get fired from Uber and Lyft, by the way. Can you? you oh yeah. You molest yeah. somebody? Yeah, you yes. whip out your your shit, you know, or someone in the car. Well, it seems like everybody in Hollywood's is doing it. So Harvey <laughs> Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> well, Oliver Stone has been accused of it today. I saw. Yeah, it. yeah. It's um, gonna keep blowing yeah, up. Yeah, I think this whole shopping. thing. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Catholic Church all of a sudden, right? Hollywood's just turned into the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to start moving them around, and Oliver Stone will be directing movies in Europe or something. <laughs> 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 Who's the Pope of Hollywood? Would that be Woody Allen? See, there's, there there's you go. There's another one. <laughs> there's another one. Oh, man. See, I blew the engine in my vehicle, which is expensive to fix. It actually costs more to fix it than my car is worth. So... That's what kind of week I'm having. Send Russ well, thoughts and prayers and then send him money. 2014. Yeah. <laughs> I looked at com. It's worth about six grand. Now, if it's just a head gasket, it could be four grand, right? Just for the labor. I could probably do it, but I don't. I have no it's idea. It's not a head do gasket, it. it's a head. Probably. I probably warped the head. But there's machine shops where you can, you know, they'll scrape them down and I don't know, but that's boring. I don't want to talk about that. Truth. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> the truth is, heads do warp, and you can machine them down to make them level again. But you will you'll mess something you up. You have a hole in something. Probably. Yeah. So you, you met Derek mentioned going, he's, he's been visiting <laughs> yeah. this church. So AC3, the church that, uh, the vampires that converted me, they turned me <laughs> back in the day. And, and now they do this Q&A <laughs> thing, and Derek got Sorry, to ask later, these people just... a question. Yes. So honestly, the the church format is very cool. I okay, really, I really enjoy. I mean, it's the way they do it really puts the pastor out there, um, which makes me wonder like how long they're going to do it that way. But right, um, they've been doing it that way for years. For well, not that, so really cool. not that after church kind of asked the pastor right. questions. But I really like that because most pastors get up there and they say shit. They're not challenged. Right. Nobody gets to you know <laughs> confront them about their ideology. So so he which is great. He gave a half-hour sermon-ish, and then afterwards, he invited people to stay and ask questions about the sermon. And the sermons have been on truth. Right. And Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. And which Guardians is the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, one of the points of his sermon, and I don't want to, I want to be careful not to shit on Rick, because I think he's a, he's a good guy coming from, he's trying. Bible college. <laughs> yeah. CMA, dude. Yeah. CMA. Um, and, uh, but he's talking about, like, is it... First Corinthians 15, where, they, where, yeah. where he's talking where about... Paul says, basically, if this Jesus thing isn't real, then we're all idiots, and people should should pity us. Yeah. Well, he's also talking about... Which so, I like. So the one that came up on this one was talking about, you know, talking to people and having your word seasoned with salt, right? Like, you guys know that, mm-hmm. that you know, like, when you talk to Chris, people about Christianity, like, you need to have your word seasoned with salt. Salt and light. Right. So the problem that I said... 
like the way that all those verses is kind of the way they're written and the way that they tend to be interpreted is when you're trying to convert somebody make your appeal humble and attractive and I said that's a real paradox because you're trying to convert them and it's nearly impossible to be humble from that position exactly because I'm so glad you said that because in, inherently in trying to convert them you're assuming that what you're saying is true and that person needs to change you know foundationally who they are to come and meet you and you cannot do that from a position of humility nope like you 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 like there's just not a good way they are lacking right you have something they need right and the obligation is hmm. like and so and I pointed out like like humans can sniff out agenda oh, yeah. real yeah. real fast. Like that's that's pretty damn easy to pick up on. <clears throat> and so it's a paradox of like you know you can pretend as hard as you want not to want to convert this person when you're trying to convert this person, but ultimately they're going to figure out this guy's just trying to convert me. So so right. and it's so really just puts a huge damper on the whole evangelical movement. Like that's a real Real problem, as it should. <laughs> like, See, that's where I, where I um, collided with AC3, because when I first started going there, I knew that agenda going in, mm-hmm. and I was, you know, fists up, like you're not going to convert me. But at the same time, I was intellectually honest enough to go, my life, the way it's working right now, isn't working. Right? It's just this is not. You know, I was on the edge of an existential mind fuck, you know, dipping towards suicidal tendencies. And those guys, even though I knew they had their agenda, me even pushing against it didn't have them run from me. It didn't have them stand in some kind of, you know, superiority, arms folded, you just need to get right, Russ. There was none of that attitude with those guys. They were just real patient and... And and listened, and gave me parts of the Bible that I never heard before. I never heard about grace. I never heard about how you know uh, the law is written on your heart. Those kinds of things. So, and and, the re- and we left that church because when Mars Hill rolled around, and part of it was because me telling my whole story and how bad it really got, and that was really hard on some of the people that were attending that church. Probably because they had their agenda. Yeah, well, did they have their agenda? I don't know. I think maybe it threatened. It threatened their ideology the way they saw yeah. the gospel. Right. And so I was outside of that, and I had lied to people, and I I didn't lie to people. I just didn't tell everybody the truth about everything, for obvious reasons. Um, so those people aren't in the church. They left the church. But leadership was always real understanding to my wife and I through that whole thing. But here came this hipster guy with this new church in Seattle, which was super cool. Mark was a terrible hipster, by the way. Yeah. Not very good at it. How how do you feel that question? Uh, It was okay. I, I, um, yeah. I think he struggled. No, no, actually how. Yeah. Not how well did he. How (laughs) did he respond? I honestly don't even, like, remember because it didn't hit me. Okay. That that means not well. (laughs) You remember us? 
<laughs> I was it inflammatory because you'd remember them too. Right. Yeah. No, like, it was just so like, bland. It was like, yeah, that's exactly what I expected you to say. So it was um, pretty typical, pretty color in the in the lines kind of answer. Like, yeah, it was kind. It was that. You know, I mean, it almost to me, it felt like close your eyes and I'll do a trick, and then maybe we won't think about it anymore. No, the next think, person. Yeah, I don't think that's where. I don't think that was his intention, and I don't think that's, you know, he wasn't trying to blow me off. Mm-hmm. I think he was probably actually kind of struggling with it. You know, sure. he's on stage, right? Right. Like, dealing with this, like, I don't know. Actually, that hadn't probably ever occurred to him. No. Or, you kind of yeah. don't get told how to handle those at Bible college. Right. Right. So, you're just told you're right at Bible college. Well, his story is he went through a shitstorm up at a, at a separate church. Yeah. And that's why he founded this one. He and, and, and your other dude, Dan Hazen, who uh, has his Anglican... So like every other non-denominational pastor in America? Yep, pretty much. You go start another church when the church you're at doesn't work out for whatever reason. Well, it was a split. And the yeah. reason was there was a the pastor was having an affair. And he, uh, he was kind of being brought back into... You know, he was honest about it and... And a bunch of people, it was sort of like what happened with my wife and I. It sounded like, like, this guy was, was they are going through counseling, you know, they're trying to get their lives back together again. This guy still wanted to lead, but the rest of the church said no because he'd committed this sin, and so he needed to be held responsible. And that's why that church split happened. And then it seemed that the fact that the, the people that stuck around weren't really open to having people like myself at the church. Like, we just want shiny people who don't ask questions. Like, we want that crowd. And Rick and Dan and them were like, no, like, we're not doing that. And I want to be careful not to shit on Rick. Like, I think he handled it. Uh, Like, there is many ways he could have handled it, and that was not even close to the worst way he can handle it. And and just the fact that he's willing to field that question and, and field it cold, right? Yeah. Like, that's... That's awesome that he's yeah. willing to do that, and I don't want to, you know, and I don't, I don't also want to say like, hey, I'm right, and this guy's an idiot, and he hasn't. No, like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to couch it like that either. I, um, I mean, I definitely respect it. it. It's risky. I respect a guy for taking a risk and putting himself out there. Because you have no idea yeah. what's coming at you on your toes. And, and then bring Russ's friends come yeah, in, and it's like, holy shit! Yes. <laughs> yes, right. Arthur and I should yeah. go with you guys yeah, and blow like this. <laughs> yeah, you should. That'd be a fun. <laughs> but he loves that stuff too. I actually talk with his son about it. I I, I talked to Jaden, and I'm like. I'm like, I don't want to sound like the guy who... Because I was like you, when I, you know, six months ago or so. And they don't always do it for every sermon series, but they, you know, depending on time, they, they do it. Most of the time. And uh, I said, I said, Jaden, I don't want to be like up there being your dad's critic or something like that. I don't want to sound like those two grumpy old men in, in uh, The Muppet Show. You ever see those guys? Like, yeah, sitting right. up in the thing? Yeah. I always wanted to <laughs> <laughs> right? I think you did, and I wasn't and I'm not always critical, but I am asking questions. Well, and I check mark. <laughs> my uh my worldview is, is different than it was. I'm a very different Christian than I was when I first started attending AC three and uh post Mars Hill and all of that. So but he's you know, he's answers those questions really well and it, sometimes it does feel like he's moving on. Um but at the same time it's opening up more dialogue and there's a lot more people coming to the extent that it seems after, you know, guys like you and I start pushing 
because that that's interesting. Is it the sort of thing where his appeal to quote authority, and I'm using scare quotes, is the Bible? No, maybe I don't know. He's more Anglican, so Anglican. He's not he's a, Anglican in evangelical church. That's interesting. <laughs> yes, and Dan is Dan's a part of a monastic. Uh, Dan does not strike me as evangelical very much at all. No, no. Like, yeah, sound like some interesting guys. Yeah, yeah. they are really. Cool. I, I'm going to start. Well, Saturday night the extend is about five of us, and that was with Gertis and uh, Luke, uh, both other guys from Port Gardner, were there. So it oh, was. Wow. It, it's a lot smaller. My daughter liked the children's ministry so much she requested to go there on her birthday. Dude. <laughs> 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 oh man, that's that's funny. That's funny. I heard a guy at, at the Hack the Ministry. So I went to Hack to the Ministry. The Hack the Ministry uh, Thursday. That's right. That's when my car broke down. By the way, <laughs> Jim Henderson paid me to drive people around in my car. That's the day. It's because God cursed you for going. Yeah. 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 See, that's, yeah. See? God had passed. a plan. You might pass voices. <laughs> that same thing. <laughs> See that. <laughs> Awesome, dude. <laughs> Mine, too. Uber's like, you're doing business on the side? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy, had, car. <laughs> this guy had a cool definition of truth, and I, I changed it because it was too religious. But I used, <laughs> I, just, I used some different language, but I wanted to throw this out there and tell me what you guys think. Because there's a lot of talk on truth right now. Like the post-truth era, um, people in colleges talking about truth, philosophers are are all fucked in the head over truth. So, so here's my contribution. <laughs> you got to figure it out, Russ. I got to figure it out. Lay the truth I'm on you. I'm going to lay the truth us. on you. You ready? <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, truth is an observed constant that's existing outside oneself. And that comes from an addict's perspective, too, because I think a lot of people who go into recovery, um, they're there because their truth doesn't work like if this was my truth and my truth is fucking me and it's not working out so when you start to see that truth actually exists outside yourself I think that teenagers go through that too like teenagers at some point I think about 13, 14 you think you know fucking everything 22 and then life starts to beat the shit out of you yeah. you know systematically but I don't know what do you guys think um, truth is an observed constant existing outside oneself Good definition or bad? What do you think? It's not bad. <laughs> it doesn't wow me, but it's it's right. it's. It, what, you could work with that, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's a start. <laughs> you can work with that. I I think the trouble with this is that like literally there were centuries of philosophy written on this topic, like the entire oh, yeah. German idealism movement, like from Kant all the way through Sartre. Like, well, that's, Sartre wasn't German, but he was feeding off of the like. Like there's like 150 years of like what the hell is truth, right. and it basically just ended up splitting into a bunch of different camps, and nobody ever came to a conclusion. Because yeah. isn't truth even saying there is no truth? Wouldn't that be truth? Yeah, that's well, you know, it's the and, and part of the problem is we're trying to take a very simple word, just the word truth, and pack just a huge amount of stuff yeah. on top of it. Yeah, meaning, and it's just you cannot it's, put that much weight onto one word. Yeah, <laughs> because one plus one, truth is two. Well, again, then you get into science. Constant. Yeah, so science. A lot of people geek out on over science, especially when they've been hurt by religion, mm-hmm. because science is always has some kind of you know definite answers. At least we think it does, and then until you get into competing th- theories, <laughs> you know, quantum physics or something like that. Well, and at least the, theory over the here, science, that theory. science in theory has 
the goal. Like pure science has the goal of finding out what's objective, yeah. true. Like what is, what can we prove to be true? Now, they get often totally sideways on money and uh, and fame and influence and and so bad media, bad media. Yeah, misunderstanding, misquoting. Uh, yeah, like all that stuff. And we're also very addicted to exploratory science, where it's like, hey, we'll do one study on a theory, and then it'll get broadcast as news as science finds this. Science didn't find shit. Science did an exploratory study yeah. that requires 350 follow-up studies, and then we'll tell you maybe. what science understands. Maybe. <laughs> if we didn't... Oh, mis- only, only find more questions. Yeah. I think that in the, in the realm of... Western Christianity, that mindset is really anxious about historicity. And mm-hmm. and one thing I when, I, when all this was kind of falling off, the wheels were falling off the wagon for me, one big shift in my thinking was just because something may not be historical doesn't mean that it's not true. I actually remember t- telling a pastor friend that, and he was kind of freaked out by it. Like, whoa, wait, whoa, where well, are you What going? do you mean unpack that? Well, uh... The Jonah story, for example, more than likely is 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 a uh, a myth, right? A, par- a parable. A parable, a myth. Yeah. Uh, now that doesn't mean that the lessons you can learn from the Jonah story aren't quote true. Yeah. There's good lessons to learn from the Jonah story. Stories about one's willingness uh, versus uh, how maybe God, if if there is a God, sees people that you might not like. It may so, have even been built on the core of a true story. It may have been, yeah. yes. There's 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 myths interwoven with history. But but by Jesus told a lot of parables that he probably just made up on the spot. And it didn't yes. They're true. Yes. But there's, they're stories. There's things you can learn and infer. So just because it's not maybe historical doesn't mean that there's not things that you can't learn from the story but right. but again in that particular mindset it's it, it's important on a, on a lot of levels for some people that oh no it, it has to be historical as well as true like no not necessarily yeah. don't get hung up on the historicity of something instead explore the truths that it has to teach you that's more important that's the biggie on the eye chart that's right. like is an example I think the way said. I've been thinking about it is is there's objective truths and there's subjective truths. An objective truth would be closer to like an objective constant, like gravity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can, and can those true. have different values. Right. Uh, and I, I'm hesitant to say that objective truth has more value, but it has a very different value. Um, but you get into a lot of trouble when you confuse subjective truth as objective truth. And that's where the church really gets itself in trouble. It's saying this is objective truth. This is the same. This is the same objective truth, you know, as gravity. <laughs> like it's no. really not. It's like, really not. But but then where the other side gets into trouble, the hard science side, is is they can be tempted to say only objective truth is valuable. And, right. And I've seen people trip into that. And like no, like subjective truth really can have a lot of value. value it's just a time. different value. experiential yeah. knowledge and yeah. Right. Like like you don't get a yeah, like like don't throw out though all of subjective truth because it's not objective truth. Right. And so that's kind of the battle I think of what's going right on right now as our in our culture is can we say those things have different values and are valuable for very different things? 
And you shouldn't confuse those two and say this is that and is valuable in the same way, but also be able to say, like, yeah, they both have values in different scenarios. Um, and, and be careful with your balance there, right? Like, right. don't don't misqual- misqualify a subjective truth as an objective truth, but then also, if you're really an objective truth, don't be shitting on subjective truth and saying it's worth nothing. So, and, and, and then also the fact, this is kind of what I brought up Again, with Rick, I don't know how well it got communicated, but subjective truths have different values. Like, yeah. some subjective truths are, like, basically worthless, right? Like, most subjective truths, honestly, are basically worthless. But That's some where philosophy becomes kind of masturbatory or, or the, uh, the secular equivalent of speaking in tongues. Such philosophy is just, you're just... Making noise, blah, 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 you know, telling weird stories that don't make sense. What if we're all just the dream of a butterfly? Wh- who fucking cares? Yeah, like, right. yeah, it, <laughs> what it that, that's a subjective. Is it true? It doesn't matter. Right. You know, it, right? does, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. Do you guys ever interact with Jordan Peterson at all? He's. Uh, <clears throat> you've, have you heard Jordan Peterson, Arthur? He's. I think. I think. Conox, he's a. Uh, he's an academic. Uh, he's a research psychologist, but he delves a lot into like. Aside from psychology, goes into certain well, all the social sciences. He'll touch on really, and I haven't interacted too much of, of of what he puts forth out there with regards to postmodernism. But he's known to be a scathing, his scathing criticism for postmodernism. Okay, and I think it's because once is he a modernist? Then I think he is, and again, I haven't delved into it too much. But what makes someone a modernist? Anyway, I'm interrupting. No, it's your thought. Um, your thought, and then yeah, you that's a whole just another one. Kicking and screaming against postmodernism. <laughs> yeah, well, well, the problem, just just practically speaking, and and I tend to have, you know, sensitivities toward postmodernism in a lot of ways, not completely, but in a lot of ways I do. Is is that basically there's no grounding. And that's a lot of what postmodernism is. It's basically saying that there's no meta-narrative. There's not one narrative that society can stand on as true, maybe like there was 50 years ago or something, where everyone, by and large, had the same belief systems. You, you trusted your government. You trusted your church. Right. Uh, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman. It, 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 you know, <laughs> so, so, so there's like these kind of overarching meta-narratives, be them political religious, socioeconomical, like like the world didn't start to bleed together like it did once you had the internet and there wasn't all the sudden, like, like all of a sudden there's not one meta-narrative right. driving everything. The world got a lot smaller when they And more complicated, more yeah. diverse, yeah. Right. So it's like postmodernism, well, hey, it's, you know, it's all up in the air and, and what's true for you may not be true for me and et cetera. That can be really jarring, and that can also have an effect on society where people are just roaming around without any foundation. That's the unintended consequence and the dangers of it, one could say. But, but postmodernism? Yes. Yeah. But you have to acknowledge on some level, though, there's still not a meta-narrative driving everyone to the same place because we're not all standing on the same foundations. Right. Because the world, again, has gotten a lot smaller, and there's a lot of diversity that we're all aware of all of a sudden. I think that's a big thing with Black Lives Matter. And then you'll hear people say, well, all lives matter. Well, yes, but Black Lives Matter. Doesn't negate all all lives lives matter. matter, Yeah, it doesn't negate all (laughs) lives matter, but it just, it's showing that, I think, meta narrative that you're talking about, where 50 years ago, white lives mattered more. We don't want to say that, but 50 years ago, there was a very dominant white privilege. No, they they still matter more. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, in a lot of places. That's a lot of places they do. That's the point of Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Exactly. That's the point of kneeling during the anthem. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We don't like that, but that's there's truth in that, and there's real heart-level wounds there that are being demonstrated, and for the right reasons, I think. Well, it comes down to, it comes down to uh, Animal Farm, right? Black Lives Matter is saying, hey, some animals are more equal than other animals, and that's fucked up. And All Lives Matter is saying, nah, no, they're not. They're all exactly the same. Like, we're all exactly equal, I promise. I'm kind of giggling into their beer at the same time, right? <laughs> like, they, they fucking know. Yeah. Right? Like, they... But they don't want to acknowledge it, right? That that's too ugly for them. And Black Lives Matter said, "No, like some of these animals are more equal than other animals." Uh, and can we just like can we just fucking acknowledge that, right? Like right. this is not a level playing field. Can you just acknowledge this is not a level right. playing field? And half our Derek working from the uh, engineer standpoint of a. Did you ever read Animal Farm? What's that? Did you ever read Animal Farm? No. What's that? Classic. Uh, not or- is it Orwell? I think it's Orwell. 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 Okay. Yeah, classic. Don't, no, I didn't read it. Classic uh, literature. Yes, yeah. it's a good one. It's an analogy for communism is where he's going with the book. But, but yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people like to believe they can know truth. To me, the truth is really, really boring. I spent a really long time thinking I had it when I was in Christianity. And I think I'm really lame because I, I think I got really bored of being right. Yeah. <laughs> then I realized I wasn't right and I was like fuck <laughs> I don't want to be wrong again <laughs> but uh I do, no, want, I, I, I do want to be bored still. I think people like being right sure and so and I think that's what you see in a lot of the conversation that goes on right now about kind of the truth that different sides of very heated arguments today hold whether they're they're political or 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 whatnot, and but particularly in the political spectrum, people really think they're right on both sides. Yeah. And they really want to be right. And they both have good points. And, and, they, and, they, and, they, and it's really like almost something inside them needs to be. This worldview, the way that I think it works, I need it to be right. And you see that so far when you see people actually vote against things that would help them, uh, against a party that would help them. When you see rich people vote for the Democratic Party, who's going to raise taxes on them, probably a lot. Yeah. Bill Gates' family is big on that. Like, Bill Gates is the wealthiest man in the world and supports And it's because he's, he's more interested in being right than he is about money. We think money drives everything, but it doesn't. No. There are really big motivators that are bigger than money. Right. And being right's one of them. Yeah. And you got people on the other side. You got the middle class voting, or you know, the lower class voting for Trump, and he's going to take away their social services. Yeah. Trump deals with Obamacare, and insurance rates immediately go up. Yeah. We were talking about this the other day with with um, like Bill Clinton. Is known to be just, I mean, just the guy's a total lech. I mean, just so lecherous. Oh, yeah, yeah. And because he's on the right side of the political spectrum, in, in maybe a liberal's estimation, then he gets a lot more grace than someone like a Donald Trump. Well, like, we want everyone to be like 1950s Superman. And one of the things that happened with, with kind of the superhero world was 
when the Watchmen hit the comic book world, oh, it was life changing because all of a sudden it was the first time where the, the really deep goodness of the good guys got severely turned on its head. And we need to think of our leaders that way, where if you're completely utilitarian and you're conservative, then you don't care that Trump's an asshole. You don't care that he is a womanizer. You don't care that he's a racist. Because if you're wholly utilitarian, then he's okay. He's doing what he needs to do. Right. He's a lesser of whatever evil, or he's a lesser of the evil of Obama. No, it's like Obama. you just accept those evils because he, because they don't really affect the job. We, we say, oh, the character's the person, and that's what the president right. needs to be about. Well, in reality, the job of the presidency could possibly be done by somebody who's a horrible person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, to really go into politics so much as just to say that, that you tend to excuse things when the person's on your team yeah, waving exactly. your flag. Yeah. You know, I think Arthur's thing about being right so is so important because so it, Arthur triggered this in me thinking about the money thing. Like, why do people want to be right more than they want money? And I take that back to Frankel, who I've been doing a lot of. Uh, reading of talking about meaning and he thinks the most important thing to humans is meaning like I need a story a narrative that puts all this in some kind of order and I don't care if there's blind spots in it I don't care if there's areas that you can you can open up and and say hey that just doesn't make sense right here I'm going to plug my ears and go la 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 like nope I need my meaning so it's even more than being right it's like I have to have this story that that puts everything in an order uh, and I get really fucking pissed off when somebody upsets my story. Mm-hmm. Like, like, mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to b- realize that my story has some pretty significant logical holes in it. And but the unfortunate thing about humanity is every story story has some pretty significant logical holes in it. There is not yeah. a narrative that has no holes in it. Like nothing. We've mm-hmm. never come up with one. We've been trying for as long as civilization has been around to come up with some kind of meaning, some kind of narrative that explains anything. We got nothing. Like everything has got some problems with it. And that makes us all very, very uncomfortable because it's kind of this crazy irony. Like you could very easily argue the most important thing to a human is their story. And we don't have any stories that make any sense. Yeah, but that's okay. And I think the people that... But it's not okay to most people. No, it's not. I, mean, I think <laughs> that's welcome to punk theology, right? Because they can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the people that do so really good diplomacy... So we acknowledge that that's real. Right? Yeah, and that's where, that's where good diplomacy happens. That's where good politics happens. That's where people actually make policies that move humanity forward. And backwards. And, and what's that? And backwards. Same well, point. yeah, but once we can get on the same page and start talking about the same values of, of human life, for example. Um, I had a point, and I lost it. Um, <laughs> coming, to the, coming to the realization, Bill Gates, for example, um, I drove by, you know, do an Uber and Lyft, I drove by the you know, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation building every day, uh, right across the street from the Space Needle, and it had this big mural on the wall that says every human life deserves, um, I can't remember the exact quote, but every human life deserves, you know, t- a good future, um, to have food in your belly, to, to be able to sleep at night water. without somebody 
putting a gun to your head, right? Clean water. Yeah. These things are these things are truths that I think we should be striving for. But then what do we do with people that don't agree? We vote them out. <laughs> I'm reading a book yeah. uh, called The Secret Battle for Beliefs About God. And it's an interesting book as it 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 evaluates all the five major worldviews. But he says in there um, who, I posted who, is the author Jeff Myers. It's come. It's a he's an evangelical Christian, um, so you got to take it. But he said something in there. I posted it on Facebook, and what he said was, "Without a strong sense of purpose, people become vulnerable to dangerous ideas." And he correlated it to Nazi Germany, and that the Germans at that time had no strong sense of purpose. Hitler comes along with all of the right ideas. Hence, he, I jumped to the conclusion, and I'll create a firestorm. Look what we've look who we've elected president, who are looking for that strong sense of purpose. He came along to address if we've got a group of people, a group of Americans who have no strong sense of purpose. What do I believe? What is truth? He tells me that's strong nationalism. Nationalism, yes. And then he goes on in this book, and he says the problem is, is in, in is if, if our purpose. Our strong sense of purpose is, is not defined, then we will fall for almost anything. And he says, if we want a government that will give us everything, then we also fall for a government that will take everything. And that's the scary crap that we walk with as how do we, we, we have, have to define what is that purpose that we're following. What's his proposal? Well, he's coming from a Christian worldview. So, so what's his. His his he's not he's not proposing theocracy. No, he's no. going back to <laughs> the the fundamental as he addressed in that message. The fundamental of, of a Christian worldview is is and he addressed it in First Corinthians fifteen about Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose again, and Jesus was seen. What does that have to do with my government? That that is the worldview that we need to see as our purpose is that God has called oh, us. That's what's driving yes. the train. Yes. I got that. Yes. Okay. That so sense? is he saying that the evangelical Christians in the United States don't have purpose, which is why they voted for Trump, or they're living out their purpose by voting for Trump? My guess in reading the book, and I'm about halfway through it. Okay, we'll ask you later. <laughs> yeah, my guess is what is the is the former. Honestly, because we're not we're not teaching it. And he's, he's got one half of the equation that I would agree with, that, the, that people do get into a fairly scary place when they don't have any meaning yes. in their life. But at the same time, being totally sucked into a meaning mm-hmm. and having no capacity to look outside of that and buying into it 100%, right. also really fucking yes. scary. Yeah, it's so, very scary. So, yeah. yeah, you don't get... I mean, so... Maybe the solution is cynicism, right? We just need to teach people <laughs> to be more cynical. Question and answer is not having an answer. <laughs> Question well, I don't know about cynicism. Sometimes like a lot of those agnostic approaches to those questions resonate deeply with me. I, I remember something Ryan Bell said eloquently where he was kind of going through a time of depression, losing the meaning of his faith construct and the life that he lived. He's like, you know, what, what matters to me is what I see in front of me. It's my dog. It's my kids. The, the tangibles, yeah. Well, wait, basic what? Uh, aesthetics is it? Oh, this, 
not aesthetics. The tangibles, yeah, not not, not aesthetical, no, but but uh, like aesthetics a, with the th. Yes, the, the things that are like tangibly there in front of you. That you know, I don't know if there's a god, but I know Russ is here and we're friends, and that's enough, right? It doesn't have to be well, unless you're like the the royals in Russia back in the day, where they thought the same thing. Well, sure. Somebody busted hey, in their house. No, and we're gonna take your food and not everything's uh, bust your head open. There's always a hole in it, like yeah, you said, because you know. Because yeah, it's seeing outside that that paradigm beyond also, ourselves. Yeah, it's this weird balance between realizing that there's not any satisfaction. If you finally get to the point where everything is super simple, you're super open to abuse, right? Like like if you really feel if like, you're not grounded, like like what Henderson said. I love that quote that he was talking about. You know, define yourself and stay connected. So yeah, if you're not grounded in who you are, what does grounded mean? It means you have some kind of a, a sense of being. That purpose thing. Yeah. Or else you just lock yourself in an apartment. And the guy, the, oh, yeah, Howard, yeah, Hughes. Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes oh, is yeah. a good example of that. Not that like the guy who's super wealthy, you know, very brilliant guy, not grounded or centered in who he is. Right. Well, you see, the Unabomber was some th- something similar, correct? Yeah. Super smart. Yeah. No relationship. Right. Not really. I mean, that was his purpose, was to try and change the world by bombing people. Like, he really thought that that was going to fix things. And who's and who's to say this psycho in, in uh, Vegas, Vegas didn't have the same... Probably did. Probably had some yeah. sort of meaning Sick, behind dark uh, nihilist. I mean, you don't go through that much trouble if you don't have something you really believe in, usually. Well, an argument can be made that bigger problems of the last hundred years were solved by really big bombs. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Mental illness may play a factor as well, but yeah. <laughs> so hey, we got uh, we got kind of a milestone in the in the punk theology podcast where we had another podcaster kind of shit on us in a podcast, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, we all had different, which was another interesting thing. And there was a, there was also something about truth, like he was criticizing Derek for saying sports are meaningless. And then he went on to say, "Yeah, but I, but I agree, sports are meaningless." Right? <laughs> you know, I don't make hard truth claims, but yeah, you know, it's like I don't know. It was it was interesting. Um, but hey, I'll play. We'll play. Should we play the clip? I don't know. We'll, we'll play the clip. I'm still a little raw on this. One. Okay, gonna need to reboot the show. Old Apple crash sounds. Yes. <laughs> why why do I play them? Because the show needs some context right here. This is from the Losing Our Religion podcast uh, with Zach. Just for context, here you go. Here's what was said about us on another podcast out there. Listen now to this classic moment from a human interest program. And a reason I think saying this is truth is very dangerous is because whenever someone says that, it's dogmatic and that it is truth. I was recently invited to be on a podcast uh, with six dudes that all get together in somebody's garage, drink beer and smoke cigars. I'm, I'm into drinking beer and smoking cigars. That sounds fantastic. Mm-hmm. But as I listened to the podcast, I was like, this is a... Uh, I felt like what I was getting from the podcast, I listened to the first one and I listened to their one, their most recent one. And I was like, this seems like a misogynist circle jerk to me. It's a, I mean, it's a, six guys in a garage yeah, sounds like a misogynist It's a, it's a bunch of dudes and they're all former Christians or Christ, or current Christians or some are still in church and whatever. 
And I go, this just seems like an irrelevant conversation to me, hmm. to me. Well, yeah, it's obviously if it's yeah. going, it's a it's relevant conversation valuable to, to <laughs> them. But what made me nervous was there's people in that group that I could tell that are like, like, for instance, at one point they were talking about sports and someone goes, well, sports don't really matter. And so when people get all jazzed up about sports, they're just getting jazzed up about something that doesn't matter. And the first thing that I thought in my head was like, look, motherfucker, it doesn't matter to you. Yeah. It doesn't matter that it matters something to somebody else. But that's else. not a true statement that it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. That's not a, that's not truth. Right. So don't, it, it, it's your truth. It's your view. It's what you think. And I agree. Yeah. Sports are like what, I mean, I also you know agree. what I'm saying? But, but I just get really nervous about people defining things and speaking it as truth to everyone. Rather than saying, this yeah. is my take. Right. I believe sports yeah. don't matter rather right. than saying it is true that sports don't matter. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, it, it's all about, I don't think we need to, I, I, I don't, I think it's dangerous to define to, 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 for me, let me say this for me, it is dangerous for me to define something as my truth. I like him. He's silly. No, oh, that bugs bunny is such a fucking smart ass, right? It's all in good fun, though, right? Anyway, so responding to that myself, we at Punk Theology try and define ourselves as sort of a peacemaking fight club, right? Um, staying in the room with difference, letting some of our triggers drive us to be unusually curious about the other rather than knee-jerk reacting, which is what everyone's doing. Like, that's not punk, you know, punk being anti-establishment, a bit countercultural. Let's rip the other guy. It's, that's kind of what everyone's sort of doing that, right? Like, which is sort of natural human response. And now I'm sort of evaluating me playing that smart-ass Bugs Bunny clip, right? I wanted to say this, too, because the only reason I knew that this was said on Zach's podcast is because Zach uh, called me personally. Because Zach and I know some of the same people. This is actually the first time I actually spoke with a guy on the phone it, when he called me to tell me that this was going to be... Uh, posted so and we i don't want to get ahead of myself because we address that in uh, the response with the guys but one of the things that i talk about and i've addressed on the podcast before is like word algebra you know when you're talking about truth and definitions of even words come down to how people define them and how people define them is kind of their truth right like doing an addiction show a word that was thrown at me a lot was the word biblical and I started to process that and ask more questions like, okay, biblical according to who, right? Like there's 33,000 different denominations of Christianity. There's over 100 uh, translations of the Bible. And that's just in English, okay? So when you say biblical, what, what does that mean? And we get deeper into the conversation. We get deeper into knowing each other. So... Uh, yeah, this rubbed us the wrong way. That and being called misogynists and uh, stuff like that. So anyway, I'm going to reboot the show here and uh, the guys and I respond. Play the clip. Well, see, that's the thing is it affected each of us. I don't really give a shit. Yeah. But, and I can understand that because what I said didn't get directed in that podcast. I would love to. I would love to meet him. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm down with it. Yeah, he. He and I. He called. Um, 
Actually, he sent me a message and said, "Hey, I said some stuff about you guys on the podcast, and I feel really bad." And 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 he apologized to me over the phone, you know. But it was just interesting. And and Zach's in, in where Zach's at. So we're just we're just trying to be different in what we do. So uh, one of the things that hurt, I, I thought that it was kind of uh, like it didn't did not taking time to find out what we're about. We're misunderstood, calling us misogynist. Which was something that we have, we were talking about too, just because we're six guys doing a circle jerk. Like it, I, I don't know. Part of me is like everybody who's doing a podcast or writes a book is kind of in a masturbatory sense of their own you know value. And I say that as a guy who's been podcasting for twelve years. All right, um, I have something to say. Talk about my truths or what helped me move forward in life, and not you know swallow a bullet or drive myself into a wall. And, and hopefully that helps other people, and I'm just trying to help. So that's kind of where I'm I don't know if that. I see it as a circle jerk in that what the things we're talking about values and truth. I, I value relationships. I value ideas. Uh, I value this, this idea that if we are putting ideas out there, having conversations uh, that might be helpful or constructive to someone, where maybe they're in a place where they don't have people around them that are safe, yeah. Uh, it's just sort of saying you're not alone. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how. I, I don't think that's a masturbatory circle jerk thing. It, it, you know, it's not that I have something to say or, or like, like in terms of like I'm speaking from this great place of wisdom or knowledge as much as it's just experience in my short time on this planet. And if it's helpful, I, you know, I want to. I want to be helpful. Just if anything, to tell someone if you're struggling with whatever questions, you you, you don't have to say people to talk to. You're not alone. And, and, That's right. And seek out conversations and relationships. Whether they with men or women, like because we're six guys, that makes it that diminishes it. Um, we know each other, and bringing women into this is something we talked about. Derek's wife has been here in a few recordings. Um, but we were comfortable with each other and talking in ways. You know, it, I did a show kind of solo, and I interviewed people and stuff like that on my on the the other podcast, and and that felt, it, you know, after doing it for over ten years, it, doing this is cool because I'm not in control of it, and I like that because that's more real. It seems feels more honest to me. Um, Again, having women here would be great, but I don't want this to turn into like a Friends episode. Well, <laughs> I the show what, Friends, but again, in Friends, they all know each other. They're living in the same area, the same apartment. It's like one of those shows. I, I took issue with the misogynist. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what struck me the hardest is is a father with two daughters and a wife and and friends. But friends are from different constructs where things are more familial. Here's what bothered me. I did a lot of processing. I was super pissed off. Um, <laughs> but but it took me a lot of really good places. Um, I was really hurt, personally, that someone would give themselves permission to set me up like a straw man like that. Like, who, who we had given a personal invitation to come and get to know us, and instead of taking that, that opportunity, uh, had given himself some pretty broad permissions to... Uh, to run with what he had in his head of what we were. Mm. Uh, and that really... And he would say he listened to two episodes, which one was a sports episode. Yeah, I don't know that... Again, like, listening to how he... What he came away from with the episode, uh, it felt like he was... He either didn't listen all the way through, 
or he had already had an idea in his head of what we were and was just trying to confirm that. Like that, that was my take on it. Um, but it created this really interesting thing with this guy because I don't, I didn't listen to this guy's podcast. I didn't know who he was. I hadn't had any contact with him. All I knew was that uh, Chuck had given him an invite. I literally knew nothing about this guy. Oh. And this was the first I found out about it. So in him characterizing me as a straw man, I found that I was able, I gave my, you know, I was given permission to characterize him as a, like the worst straw man ever. Uh, and in some ways that was really valuable for me because <laughs> opportunities don't come along very often where the only thing you know about someone is that they're a supervillain. Um, so I was able to emotionally work through that and just kind of rip them apart uh, for three or four days. Um, but I also <laughs> yeah, so you really process this, yeah. <laughs> like like I said, and we'll have I, critics, you know. I mean, and and that was, but I don't want to settle there, right? And I don't want to be hypocritical on that. Like, hey, you characterize me as a straw man, so I'm going to characterize you as a straw man yeah. and, and rest there, right? Which is almost so, the opposite of the point of the show. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what, what makes us different. That's where I've landed. Is I don't want thinking that this guy's just a straw man. Because right. uh, I know he's not. Because yeah, logic dictates he's not. This is a real human being. And yeah. I want to be able to reconcile the image I have in my head of him being a straw man with the real human being and let that be appeased. So that's kind of what my... I had all different things that I thought I wanted, but as I processed more, realized, like, I think I just want to meet this guy so I can reconcile the actual person with the ugliness that I have in my head, which is not really him. Right. Um, and that, I mean, as far as I know, maybe he will be really the, the monster <laughs> no, that I have in my head. Hey, I've been yeah. criticized by a lot of people over the years. I've never had one call and apologize after they and criticized the me. Ever. Never. Yeah, I have some interesting theories on why that happened. but um, Yeah, I don't know if I'd be as placated by the apologies <laughs> you are. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm so that's kind of where I landed. Is I I uh, yeah, I mean, so that would be my wish would be to just be able to meet the guy so I can put to rest this straw man because because the straw man is really helpful for me emotionally for a couple of days. But if I go through you know if I drag that straw man around with me and just keep giving myself an excuse to beat it up, I think that leads to bitterness and kind of some ugliness yeah. inside of me. And I need to reconcile the. You know, I wouldn't say fantasy, but the the imaginary in my head with reality. Right. And I, I think would, that's where some I would love to go up to the on the hill and and have a beer with him. Well, he said he would meet us at uh, like McMinimins and oh. Bothell or something. Oh, I'd do that now. Yeah. I'd do it right now. Again, I don't know I if he'll like hears this. Yeah. Well, that's what he said to me too. He goes, I don't know if you're going to want to hear it after you hear what I said. But it's yeah, like Henderson. It, Henderson says being in the room with difference. I want to be in the room with difference. Yeah. That disagree with me and, I, and I'll be honest I've been shit on way worse than that and I've never had anybody call and apologize I had a guy call me a rapist on Twitter oh, because I, well first he would say I was raping the gospel <laughs> I, yeah. oh come so, on it, <laughs> so Maybe he just and then he therapist. just and then he just stopped saying gospel <laughs> then he just stopped saying gospel and just started calling me a rapist which I took issue with yeah. this guy's publicly over and over again calling me a rapist like Dude, what the fuck? Like that's that's not cool. I I ended up having to block the guy, and he would get I would anything I would say on Twitter 
like other people would be responding in some hashtag or some group that I was in. And they go, aren't you going to say something? I go, I don't even see this guy. So if he's saying stuff about me, just realize I blocked him for calling me a rapist. And so whatever he says, I'm just, like, I'm I'm just not listening. You can block him too if you like. And then he doesn't exist because Twitter has that function. But if you want to listen to him rail on against me, call that's me a misogynist circle jerk. Don't call me a rapist. <laughs> Rapists are actually better because, like, like that's just so over the top. We more resemble a circle jerk than a rape. Yeah, circle jerk actually at least had a little bit, like, just enough truth to hurt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I think it's. I'll Circle jerk. Yeah. Did you get some pictures? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of pictures. I legitimately qualify for a lot of disparaging remarks, but that's not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a punk band called the Circle Jerks, which is a, a pretty good punk band, by the way. And I think we'll lead out with that bumper music as we conclude this episode of punk theology just scratching the surface of what is truth on the podcast Yes, that's Question Authority by the Circle Jerks. And we would love to hear from you. Speaking of truth, speak your truth. <laughs> Punk Theology Podcast at gmail.com is our email address. Shoot us an email. Yes, we read that stuff on the podcast. We will read your email on the show. And that, my friends, that's the truth. I wouldn't lie to you. You you you, re, you write to us. We'll read it on the show. Truth. It's a hard truth. Or again, Facebook Punk Theology Pub. And I'll shut up now. I'm out. Till next time. Bye.